I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, we'll begin together at verse 21, where Matthew writes, Then Peter came and said to him, meaning Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and his children and all the possessions, and payment be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay me what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went out and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he could pay the entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Will you pray with me? God, we are just so grateful for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that word, forgiveness. When I come into the church, I see the cross. We wear the cross around our neck. It is, it is a reminder that we are loved. It's a reminder that we are so loved by God that He would give His only begotten Son and allow Him to die on a cross so that I might be forgiven. That my sins remove, my mistakes, my failures all the things that have broken the relationship between me and God, that can be removed. And then Jesus rose again, offering us everlasting life. I, I love the word forgiveness. That is, as long as we're talking about me being forgiven. It's a little harder word to deal with when we're talking about my ability then to do the same thing for others. Forgiveness. 
One of my favorite stories that many of you know that know me well is in Luke 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of the father that has the two sons. Most of you know this story. The, the two sons that the youngest comes up to him and says, Father, give me everything that's mine, which is kind of interesting because the father hadn't died yet. He's basically asking, can I go ahead and have my inheritance early because you're as good as dead to me now. And the father, heartbroken, goes ahead and gives him that portion of the inheritance that will be his. The young son takes off. And you can imagine the, the grief that the father had as he watches his young son go away. And the young son disappears then over the hillside. And then we're told that he goes out and he wastes all of everything that he had just received and riotous living and and pretty soon he is so hungry and famished that he takes a job feeding the pigs. And for a Jew, that would have been a disgrace because the pigs were considered unclean. So feeding the pigs meant he was now unclean, which meant he couldn't participate in his faith, which means not only did he turn his back on his God, now he, on his family rather, he's also turned his back on his God. And now he's hungry. So hungry, we're told, that he wanted to eat the pods that the pigs were eating. And they were told that he came to himself and he realized, you know, my father has servants that have plenty of food and some to spare. I'm going to go home. I'll tell my father, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just hire me as one of your hired hands. And so he starts coming home. My favorite verse is where we're told while he was still far off, his father saw him. To me, that means that the father was looking for him. And the father runs to him. And we're told that he's filled with compassion. And then all of a sudden, the father, when he gets to his son, he embraces him. Before the son can say a word, before the son has the opportunity to repent and to share, I've messed up, I've sinned, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. Before any of that occurs, read the scripture, he hugs his son, kisses his son before his son ever says, I'm sorry. And then we read in the scripture that it was then, it was then, that the son says to him in verse 21, I've sinned. And the father says, bring the robe. Bring the ring. Bring the sandals. Kill the fatted calf. This is my son. This is my son. We experience forgiveness. The thing I love about that scripture as it reminds us of what Paul told us in Romans 5, verse 8, that God proves His love for us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Which comes first, the offer of forgiveness or the acceptance of it? Clearly, the Scripture tells us over and over, God has already offered you and offered me forgiveness and grace. He hugged us and kissed us before we could ever begin to say, I have sinned. But what I've learned about that story, it is easier to tell that story and be the one who's the prodigal son coming home 
than it is to be in the role of the Father. I love the fact that God runs to me and embraces me before I've ever said I've sinned. But I will tell you, it is hard as one who now is in the position to forgive someone else, it's hard to be in the role of the Father and see someone else and be willing to forgive them first. Fred Craddock reminds us of Kiger's principle, which was that as we read the Scriptures, we, we read the Scripture through both a window and with a mirror. We read the Scripture with a window. With a window, you look through it, and you're able to see what's happening there, and, and you see what's going on. You learn the information. You learn the facts. We study the Scripture. We look through the window when we read the scripture with a mirror, though, that's now a reflection to us. And now the challenge is, is what impact does that have on me? What change does it make for me? And I'll just tell you, for me, forgiveness is easier through the window, looking out, watching it happen, than it is through the mirror where I'm the one called upon to forgive. Jesus is addressing this in the scripture we just read in Matthew chapter 18. Now, context is everything when you read the Scripture, so make sure that you kind of look at what was going on prior, because just prior to the Scripture that we read, Jesus is, is dealing with, you know, if someone in the church has sinned against you, then the first thing you do is you go to them one-to-one, -one and you try to restore the relationship. The goal is not to prove right and wrong, win or loser. The goal is to restore the relationship. If that doesn't work, then you take two or three witnesses with you and you go sit down with a person. And again, the goal is to restore the relationship, not to win, not to get revenge, not to embarrass or degrade or to break someone else down, to restore the relationship. And if that doesn't work, then you bring it before the church. That's the context of the scripture that we're in. And that gets Peter's wheels spinning. You can almost see Peter just sitting there, as Jesus is talking. And finally, Peter goes, I, I, I have a question. How many times do you think that we should forgive somebody that sinned against us? So the context again, how many times do you think we should forgive somebody? Would you say seven times? Peter's actually being pretty generous because most of the rabbis taught that three times you would forgive someone three times before you moved on. So Peter's saying seven. I mean, he's being incredibly generous here, it would seem. But Jesus responds back and says, not seven, but 70 times seven or 77 times. The Greek is ambiguous here in the scripture. So we're not really sure is it 77 times or 70 times seven. So you'll, you may notice that different translations of the Bible have the different number there. The, the point though is it's irrelevant. Who's counting? It's, it's not about, you know, you, you've got one more shot and I never have to forgive you again. The goal is forgiveness and reconciliation. It's not revenge. And it's not being able to end the relationship one more time and I can be done with you. The goal is always to restore the relationship. So then Jesus says, well, let me put it this way. There, there was this king. And, and this king, he had this, this servant who was serving him. And the servant owed him ten thousand talents. Now here's the thing to remember. A talent 
is 15 years wages. 15 years wages. And he owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 times 15 years wages. He owed him 150,000 years wages. Now just think about that. Most people don't live to be 150,000 years old. They don't work 150,000 years. In other words, it's absurd. Jesus often uses hyperbole. It's, it's an absurd amount to go, that's just absolutely impossible. There is no way this guy could ever pay back that kind of debt. That's just a crazy amount. So the king calls him in and says, hey, you owe me. You owe me 150,000 years of wages. And then this other incredible thing happens, and that is that the man falls down and, and, he, and he asks for forgiveness. And the king says, I forgive you. He's moved with compassion. He's moved with pity. And rather than throwing the man, his wife, and his children and selling everything that he had, he goes, I forgive you. I mean, think about a fresh start. You have hanging over your head an amount that you owe that is absolutely impossible for you to ever pay back, and all of a sudden you're forgiven of that, and you can have a fresh start that everything you earn tomorrow goes to helping you restore your life rather than trying to pay back this absurd debt, you can start over. I forgive you. Your debt is gone. Wow. So the man gets up and he leaves. And he runs into a colleague. And this colleague owed him a hundred denarii. Now a denarius is one day's wages, so he owes him a hundred days wages. In other words, about a third of a year's salary. About a third of a year's wages. And, and here this guy who's just been forgiven this absurd amount goes up to his colleague, grabs him by the throat and says, you pay me what you owe me. And the man falls before him and says, please have patience with me. I'll pay you everything that I owe you. And his ability to pay is realistic. I can pay that back. I'll pay you. Just have patience with me. But no. The man who had just been forgiven this extraordinary amount has this guy, his colleague, thrown into jail until he can pay the debt. Well, the word gets back to the king what had just happened, and he goes, you, you wicked slave, he's furious. I just forgave you an amount that there was no way in your entire life you could have ever paid that back. And I forgave you because you asked me, I had compassion for you, I had love for you, I gave you a chance at a fresh start. You find your coworker who owes you such a minor amount compared to what you owed, and, and wow, no compassion whatsoever. So he now throws the first one into prison until he can pay back the debt. You see, it's interesting how we are forgiven people, but turning around and forgiving, well, that's the challenge. And then Jesus adds this line. I mean, if there was a line I could edit out, this might be it. Jesus says in verse 35, So my heavenly Father 
will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That little qualifier at the end changes everything because it's not simply fine, you're forgiven. But from the heart. That the relationship was what was important. See, forgiveness is challenging. Even though we love the concept of forgiveness and we have been forgiven by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if we accept Him as our Savior and Lord, that our sins are cleansed and removed and forgiven and the brokenness is restored and our relationship with God is restored and we're given that fresh start at an amount that we could never have begun to pay back. We're forgiven but we have a hard time sometimes forgiving others. It's easier to discuss forgiveness through the window than it is through the mirror that shines the picture back on me. I think one of the things that makes forgiveness difficult for us is God does have the ability to forgive and forget. We do not have the ability to forgive and forget. Our challenge is to get to the point where the memory no longer interferes with the relationship. That's when forgiveness occurs, is when the memory no longer interferes with the relationship. We see incredible stories of forgiveness throughout the Bible. If you go back in Genesis from chapter 37 forward, you'll see the story of Joseph. Remember how his brothers were so jealous of him uh, they believed that he was favored by his parents, and so they actually take him out one day and they, they throw him into a pit. They're first going to kill him. They decided they didn't really want to do that, so they threw him in a pit, but there was no food or water in the pit, so they were killing him anyway. And So they, they throw him down in a pit, and then they leave, and while they're having lunch, they see a caravan come by, and they go, hey, if we're going to get rid of our brother, we might as well make some money off of it. So they get him out of the pit, and, and they sell him into slavery with this other group, and, and then they take his, his robe that his family had given to him, and, and they shred it up, and they cover it in goat blood, and, and then they take it back to the father. You want to talk about cruelty? Not only cruel to what they did to their brother, but cruel to dad. To go back to the family and go, your son is dead. He, he has been attacked by this wild animal and, and, and here's his shredded robe with, with the blood on it and the grief that's caused there. And, but there's an irony to it. Joseph is then sold again and he becomes actually one of the Pharaoh's officials' servant. And, and he's faithful and God is with him and he works his way up to he's in a highly respected position. A famine hits the land in Israel. So all of Joseph's brothers and family now have to come to Egypt where Joseph is now serving. And, and there they're looking for help and they're looking for food. And all of a sudden they realize they're before their brother. And they think this is not going to be good. But somehow, a brother was able to look at those who tried to take his own life, those who sold him into slavery, who lied to the family, and he forgives them. And he actually provides for them and for their families. Forgiveness, that's, whew, that's, that's a challenging thing, and yet... We're called to be a forgiving people. So I want you to hear the good news. Here's the good news. 
we are offered forgiveness by God. He runs to us first. God proves his love for us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. You have the ability to be forgiven. The offer of grace is already offered to you and all you have to do is accept it. You, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and ask him to come into your life. He wants to forgive you and cleanse you and give you that fresh start, regardless of what you've done, regardless of how bad you think it is, regardless of if you think it's like 150,000 years wages couldn't pay it back. Your God has already offered you grace and forgiveness. Hear the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, forgiveness is offered to you. But now hear the challenge. The challenge for us to be Christian, which means to be like Christ, is to learn to forgive one another. That's the hard thing, is to walk out of a sanctuary to conclude a worship service and leave as not only a forgiven people, but a forgiving people. That's, that's the challenge that's offered for us as well. Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Matthew 6.12, it's that prayer we pray every Sunday, and forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, as we have forgiven our debtors. Then at the end of that prayer, if you keep reading in Matthew 6, verse 14, Jesus goes on to say, For if you forgive others their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your forgot Father forgive your trespasses. That's the story we just read. Paul says in Colossians 3, 13, Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. I just think it's a whole lot easier to discuss forgiveness through the window. To see it out there. But we're also called to hear the scripture through the mirror. And to see how does this impact me? And can I now forgive my brother or sister since God loved me enough to forgive me an absurd amount? Maybe I can forgive someone else. Will you pray with me? God, we just, we just ask that you would be with us now and help us to begin to be a forgiving people. We live in a culture today, in a society today that's about revenge. It's about getting even. It's about you're either on my side or you're irrelevant to me. You're dead to me. We just, it's such a hard time. And God, you call us to love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and our mind and to love one another. And, and part of the way of loving one another is to love and forgive in the way that you have loved and forgiven us. So God, help us to, to look at our brothers and sisters and realize that the relationship is more important than being right. That the relationship, reconciliation, redemption, restoration, it's all 
more important than revenge. So God, we just pray that you would heal our land, heal our world. But before we can complain about the world, we ask that you would first heal us. If we all would just learn to love and forgive as you have loved and forgiven, you could change this world through your church. In the name of the forgiving, loving Jesus the Christ, amen.